1: My only
2: object in being here is to try and get
3: at the truth. Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking
1: at you, kid.
2: Frankly,
1: my dear, I don't give a damn. could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been
3: somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to make him an awful deal. All real, men. Love is...
2: is well, too weak a word. for back. I loathe you. Why I loathe you. I love you I did as he swam. Don't let me... If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV. Respect it and Remember that you told me. It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next best picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 164 of the next Best Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Negley, at time of recording 11.56am, partially because uh, we started recording at 11 and we lost the audio file, so we're having to do this all over again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it is October 20th, 2019, and here to join me for the second time today, I have Michael <laughs> Schwartz. Hello everyone, again. Nicole Ackman.
4: We're back!
2: Bianca Gardner. <laughs>
5: we never left
2: (laughs) and Lauren La Magna
5: (laughs) and we're never leaving
2: (laughs) you were never really here (laughs) (laughs) I'm still here (laughs) um audiences will like you know listen guys we got literally about uh 45 minutes into our recording my computer ended up shutting down I lost the backup to our recording and I have nothing to show for it. So, unfortunately, you're about to get the half assed version of the next Best Picture <laughs> podcast today. Um, but no, we're still gonna do our best to give you guys a, a full show here, um, regardless of our technical woes, which, yeah, you know, we're human after all. Uh, what I wanna first uh, do is this I wanna just say for the record uh, one, congratulations to Cole Ackman, newly appointed member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. Uh, And everything also I want to say is we are going to be going over a lot in regards to best picture today. Uh, we'll be talking about bombshell. We're also going to uh, be going into the polls today. We'll answer some fan questions and then we'll get the hell out of here because Lord knows we've already invested enough time today <laughs> as is. <laughs> but first I want to start us off by uh, asking uh, a simple question. Um, it's not the typical question I usually open with, but because things are so all over the place right now in terms of predictions, let's start off by asking Michael which film do you think will be the next best picture Oscar winner as of October 20th 2019 I'm going with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Lauren La Magna
5: I'm going for Marriage Story
2: Bianca Gardner
0: um, I'm also going for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood
2: and Nicole Ackman
4: I'm going for it Sight Unseen uh, 1917
2: and I am going with I don't Frickin' know
4: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen that Cats. one
0: yet <laughs>
2: <Cats>. <laughs> <laughs> might as well be cats at this point right like we can't come to a decision on anything default choice cats,
4: <laughs> uh, cats to give will never stop giving
2: <laughs> actually you know um, I have to admit uh, a part of me is starting to wonder more and more if a default choice if we can't come to a conclusion on who is the front runner for best picture a part of me is wondering if the default choice is the most critically acclaimed film of the year that everyone can get behind and that's Parasite mm. Yeah. Food for thought. We'll get back in touch with that a little bit later on. Uh, First things first, Michael, what did you see this week at the movie theater? I saw Pain and Glory, which is a masterpiece, one of Pedro
3: Amadovar's best. And I'll just say that final shot recontextualized the whole movie for me. And I think it's just absolutely brilliant. I would go see it again in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you on that, that that final shot is really, truly something special. And it's made me want to rewatch the movie uh, very, very badly, actually. Because now, going back and seeing uh, some of those earlier scenes, yeah, you're right. Definitely recontextualizes. And definitely his best film in a long time, since Volver, uh, probably, I would say. And I think it's even better than that, actually. So, cool. Nicole?
4: Yeah, so I spent last weekend at uh, Film Fest 919, which is a film festival in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, was really well attended. And they had a bunch of great films. Uh, The film festival was in its second year and they are already confirmed to be back next year for their third year, which is super exciting. And you'll see more from me on that uh, later. I've got a blog post coming to the site about my experience there. I'm just going to run through what I saw because there are 10 films. And then if anybody has questions for me, like hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Nicole ackman 16 Happy to discuss any of these. Um, But I saw Marriage Story, The Report, Honey Boy, The Truth, Clemency, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Two Popes, Just Mercy, The King, and Jojo Rabbit. And then I also went and saw Judy because apparently I wasn't done with movies um, this past week with my mom. And, yeah, I feel like I kind of wrapped up a lot of the bigger contenders in one week. (laughs) Um, I'm a little bit overwhelmed right now, but saw a lot of really, really great films.
2: All right. Nicole is starting to round out her top ten list of the year. I'm liking it. uh, I'm liking it a lot. Nice. Nice. Sounds like you definitely uh, had a lot of fun, uh, and I'm really, really happy to hear that as well. So that's really cool. Um, Out of all of those, which one was your favorite?
4: Okay, I've been like going back and forth and back and forth on this, and I don't think I can pick like one favorite, but my top three, um, because I think I need to see them again, like outside of the context of seeing several films a day to pick a real favorite, but definitely between Marriage Story, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Jojo Rabbit.
2: Nice, nice. I, I just recently saw Jojo Rabbit again for a second time, and uh, that, f- that film is so cute. It is so overwhelmingly cute. It's unbelievable.
4: <laughs> yeah, it feels like it'll be a good repeat watch.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I could definitely uh, see that for sure. Um, I I enjoyed my second viewing of it, definitely. Uh, Righty, uh, and as you said, if anybody wants to talk to you about those movies, they can uh, message you on Twitter about them. Lauren?
5: This was unfortunately a really big week for me up in rural Massachusetts, but I am patiently waiting for our little independent theater to get Jojo Rabbit. I love how everyone on the team is really enjoying this film and again I hopefully it can come up within like 1 to 2 weeks and once it does get here I'm definitely going to be the first one there.
2: I genuinely don't know if I understand the criticism behind Jojo Rabbit.
5: No, everyone here loves it. Like in the in our group chat I was like, "Oh my god, it's the cutest thing ever. I can't wait to see it." And I'm just getting More and more and more and more and more hyped. And my friends are always like, yo, when's it coming? Like, as if I own the cinema up here. (laughs) I
2: I think there are some people that, you know, are a little taken aback by the handling of the tone of the film and uh, Mm -hmm. balancing uh, the seriousness with the comedy and such. I can I I understand that part of it. but But it's done right. The movie is a cute crowd pleaser. And I, I, I think that people that went in hoping that it would have more um, more of an edge to it, um, I, I don't I, I don't know. I don't I don't like when uh, when that's sort of like your expectations get in the way of you like writing a positive review, you know what I mean mm-hmm. in that regard.
4: I also to me, it feels like the edge here is the fact that it doesn't have an edge, if that makes sense. like to make a cute, heartwarming movie about like the Nazi youth. Like, that's the edge in itself.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, the movie exists. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> we have, like, a Polynesian Jewish man playing Hitler. Like, what more are you asking for? <laughs>
2: Seriously. All righty, all righty, Um, I saw Harriet uh, this week, which... Um, admittedly not the biggest fan uh i thought Cynthia revo gave it her all she was very very strong i think she's definitely uh not a lock for best actress but she's definitely in the hunt along with a few other contenders that are fighting over of uh, those last two slots uh i think i think the top three slots are locked up between um renee zellweger scarlett johansson and Charlize Theron, uh which we'll get into that a little bit later on but yeah, those last two slots are up for grabs for a lot of people. And I think Cynthia rivo is definitely in there. Unfortunately, the movie around her, I just didn't think it was all that great. Um, very generic, uh, some odd editing choices, some odd, uh, overwhelming, like uh, dramatic music uh, that just kind of didn't. It just didn't come together cohesively for me enough to just support the work that Arivo was doing, and also too, um, the subject uh, of uh, Harriet Tubman and just honoring her life and uh, you know her legacy with this movie. Seems kind
4: of uh, seems kind of similar to Judy from reactions that I've seen, and that the lead actress performance is great, and a movie that is perhaps nowhere near great
2: yeah i i think that's a fair comparison in this case uh what else did i see um i saw i can't talk about that uh, i saw i can't talk about that either shit <laughs> um i well i did see i did some other stuff um i saw zombie land double tap um and i uh yeah okay um <laughs> Just There's a podcast review of that. Uh, listen, I just think it's a rehash of the first film. And if you like the first film, great. You'll probably like this if you go with flow expectations. But I went in hoping it would be just as good or better. Um, and it wasn't. And I do believe that if it was released seven years ago, hell, even six years ago, I maybe I would have liked it more. But 10 years later for the sequel, come on. Like, what are we doing here? You know, so completely unnecessary, in my opinion. Uh, what's definitely not unnecessary, though, is the conversation that needs to be had. All right, we got to talk about this, people. We got to talk about what's going on with Marvel and this generational clash right now with Martin Scorsese first, okay, and we, we touched upon that, but now Francis Ford Coppola is chiming in and he's saying stuff, and it's like are we gonna hear from like Spielberg to Palma and like everybody else at this point like what's go like what's what's happening here <laughs> you know? yeah, I want Paul schrader to chime in about this yeah will God save us that's what it, that's what he'll ask <laughs> or no will God forgive us <laughs> you know uh i I, I don't I, I, listen at this point I don't care these they're allowed to have an opinion i I may not agree with how they're expressing their opinion on on this whole matter but I do understand where they're coming from I understand that the apprehension against Marvel as a whole and its movies is probably fueled by this monopoly that Disney has over the industry. And um, that Marvel is like the only thing that's driving audiences to go to the cinema. And you have these auteurs who want to get their movies made on smaller budgets. And they're finding it increasingly harder and harder to get funding for those projects, get audiences to actually go to the theater to see those projects. And I think that they're looking at Marvel as the reason to blame for this. So it's like, I, I, I get where they're coming from.
4: I, to me, you know... Scorsese's comments don't really bother me. He, I felt, was fairly respectful with it. You know, he said he gave it a try, not his thing. He doesn't think that that's great cinema, but he wasn't putting down people who enjoy it. Right. Whereas I think Coppola, honestly, this might sound bad, but it almost feels like he's just trying to be relevant um, by stirring the <laughs> I think he spent too much time at
3: the winery that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know, to me, I guess the thing that bothers me about that is to call... Any kind of, you know, whole film genre despicable puts down fans of that genre in a way that like I'm not entirely comfortable with. I think everybody's allowed to have their taste. And there's a lot of people, people on this podcast, who enjoy Marvel and, and DC films, and who also enjoy, you know, small independent films as well. And I think that we have a big issue. I don't know that Marvel is entirely to blame for it. And I guess part of the thing that I see is that I think that The movie theater experience is under attack and it's at risk of dying out. And if Marvel movies and other big franchises are how we continue to have movie theaters, then, you know, you can't see the lighthouse in a movie theater if you don't have a movie theater that's open. Um, So I I just think that, like, it's it's more complex than some of these older directors are maybe giving credit to but i also think that people have like way overreacted and like if my grandfather said that he didn't think that those were real movies then i'd be like well yeah that's because you know yeah it's not what you were raised on um right it's a, it's a different generations type exactly of thing. yeah
5: but I, just, I don't even see it as Marvel, when people talk bad about Marvel, I see it more as Disney because, like, if you think about it, on average, it's three Marvel movies a year. And when it's not a Marvel mm-hmm. movie, it's a Star Wars movie. And it's not that, it's a Disney animated movie. It's Disney pumps out one or two movies like a month, really. It's always in theaters. And that's where I think when you have that big of a studio taking up those many slots in a quote unquote studio movie theater, that's that's where I understand the discourse or the negative opinions on it because yeah if we just have this one huge studio we're not getting the little ones like neon or sometimes little like amazon or something we don't get films like the light remember when Booksmart was coming out that was still struggling to get an audience because of you know all these big studios so i definitely understand that but i wouldn't put all of the blame on marvel i would see it more on disney as a whole
2: i actually blame right. the theater chains uh mm-hmm. for all of this um i blame the fact that um Like, a lot of people now go to the movie theaters um, specifically to see, like, just these types of movies. And I think a large reason for that is because, like, the large theater chains are only programming these movies. Mm -hmm. I want to see the large theater chains program uh, these smaller movies. Like, why are they always regulated to the smaller, independent, art house theaters? And I understand there is a thing as, you know, platform releasing and such. I get that part of it. But for people to have to wait so many weeks or months even to see something like Parasite, which is selling out... Every single showing in New York and L.A. Uh, from the very beginning of the day all the way to the very end of the day during its opening weekend, I, I just don't know if I fundamentally like agree with the way that the model is just set up right now for the theaters and the movies. Um, if you, I, I, and listen, I, I'm, I'm not saying I have the answer, you know, or anything like that, but I do believe that there is a way to make it better. Because I think with the rise of social media, especially, so many people are more aware now of these smaller films than in the days where you used to just read a review in your you know Sunday newspaper, and it's like it's like times have just changed in terms of uh, the awareness of certain types of films now. You know what I mean? And there's a hunger for those movies. I mean, we know we talked about this before in the past. Movie proved that people will go to the movies to see smaller movies. It's just, there's something about the theatrical experience that I do believe the larger theater chains have perverted and changed in such a way that it's made it almost, like, unflattering to want to go to one of the large theater chains to see a smaller film. But nobody has a problem with going to... Uh, like an Alamo Draft House or a Nighthawk Cinema or something that like really, really, truly like celebrates and loves movies and is not um, dressing it up in a commercial way to sell concessions. Uh, but they really genuinely love the programming that they have at their theaters. You know, it's like people want to go support those movie theaters and those movies and so on and so forth. You know what I mean?
4: I also think that there's an opportunity for things like CineBistro is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Mm. And a lot of the draw there is the fact that you can eat. So I feel like they have an opportunity to, you know, show some of these smaller films and these films from the smaller studios because, you know, if they've already got the people coming in just because they want to have this like novel experience of having dinner at the theater then they can get people through the door and then show them something like Smart or The Lighthouse or something that otherwise might struggle to
2: find.
0: You might be put off your meal watching The Lighthouse.
4: <laughs> Need some beans while I eat them?
2: Oh, Jesus, that reminds me. Bianca, did I ask you what you've seen this week? No, you didn't. Jesus it's Christ, cool. I'm so sorry. Hey, listen, you know why? You know why? It's because we already recorded this earlier and I did ask, and now you just reminded me. You saw The Lighthouse. Can you talk about The Lighthouse really quick?
0: Um... It's about a house with a light. <laughs> 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 it's you amazing. A house.
2: <laughs> Sounds like, like Will Poulter midsomar. It's a bear. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. And you know, uh, I wrote my piece on, on black and white films of the decade, and uh, which I really was inspired by watching the lighthouse to do um just because i find it such a beautiful film to look at and it is art to me and, and i know we're sort of talking about our marvel films cinema they are to some uh, aspect but they're a different type of cinema and i feel like something like the lighthouse does show that you can still have Uh, these films being made the fact that these films are still being made is you know proves that it's not just marvel movies being made there are the filmmakers who still can go out and do that we've obviously spoken about jojo rabbit you know that's a film that i i might have not got made if it hadn't been for oh that other movie that he you know he did the one Mm -hmm. with the the, the guy with the... The, the God of Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: that exactly. one. Mm-hmm. And
0: the big um, green thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the the lighthouse is amazing. And Robert Pattinson is clearly going to go on to star as Batman. Um, I'm Batman. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that it's good that we do have Marvel movies. So, we can still have, you know, directors make a big picture then they can go make a smaller picture you know it's kind of like what happened to Scorsese he had to make some commercial movies in order to go and make the bigger films Mm -hmm. you know that uh and I think he had to go and do Cape Fear in order to do Goodfellas Mm -hmm. so there you go you just have to play the system and Marvel movies are now part of the system and Uh, Anyway, Lighthouse, yeah, it's great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Lighthouse is so fucking bonkers and just so insane and wild that I just love that it just goes for broke uh, when you watch it. And those performances are just so, so committed from those actors. And it's truly unlike anything that I have seen in a while. Um, I know I used this on the podcast before. I'll say it again. It is probably David Lynch's favorite movie of the year, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Um, And I say that both um, sort of sarcastically and serious at the same time. And I think that will give people like an idea of what kind of a movie it is. Uh, But transitioning over – uh, from that yeah The Lighthouse is in limited release right now we'll have a podcast or review for that actually next week uh, but for now what I want to do is I want to transition over to talk about two things uh, one you mentioned uh, Robert Pattinson in The Batman and that movie is getting a lot of great casting news uh, we have Paul Dano now cast as The Riddler we have Zoe Kravitz uh, playing uh, Catwoman or Selena Kyle uh, we have Jeffrey Wright uh, playing Commissioner Gordon which is pretty freaking cool. Um, Michael Giacchino just announced to do the score for the movie. He worked with Matt Reeves on the Planet of the Apes films. Like, this is a movie that I think could balance that art and commerce uh, argument in many ways because of the talent involved. Um, I, I, and I kind of believe that Matt Reeves already did that to a certain extent with the uh, Planet of the Apes films. Those movies uh, were made in a very, very mature way, but with kind of a blockbuster backdrop you know, and with state-of-the-art visual effects and things of that nature. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what continues to happen. But I do think, you know, going so far as to say that they're like these movies are despicable and just tr- making everything so binary, um, I, 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 I don't think that that's fair at the end of the day. I mean, these guys are allowed to have an opinion, and that's totally fine. But there's a way to express that opinion in a way, that like Nicole said, that doesn't, like, come off like you're being a dick. so um, with that said uh, last week's poll here on the website uh, we asked everyone which was their favorite black and white film of the decade so we're going to be asking some more best of the decade questions I think I'll probably have another poll maybe even sometime later this week um, asking another question about the decade in general Um, I think it's great to be able to get a chance to look back and reflect Uh, we have a top five Uh, at number five on the list here, Michael. Michael, perk up those ears, baby. Nebraska, coming in at number five. There we go. Love it. No, know you're a fan. I know you are. Number four is Powell Palakowski's uh, Cold War. Number three is Noah Baumbach's film starring Greta Gerwig. They're about to have a great year. Uh, Francis Ha. Number two is The Lighthouse. Oh, yes. And number one with 12 votes more than The Lighthouse, is Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Of course. I mean, that film has, like, the masterpiece label slapped onto it the minute it mm-hmm. screened for the first time at Venice last year. <laughs> so uh, that's, like, not surprising in the least bit. I'm sure Roma will come in at many, many people's, like, best of the decade list this year. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, speaking of best of the decade, how about we talk about like best movies of all time? Uh, we asked everyone a couple of weeks ago, which horror movie do you want us to review on the podcast for Halloween? So we chose some of the horror films that we think are like some of the best ever made choices included movies such as psycho alien, Carrie, the exorcist, the Texas chainsaw massacre, nightmare on Elm street, evil dead. Uh, there were so many great choices to choose from here. There is a winner. It's going to be reviewed on the podcast, and it won the vote, oh, man, 50 votes higher than the runner-up, so this was a clear runaway favorite. Everyone, I am very, very happy to say that we will have our first-ever Stanley Kubrick review on the next Best Picture podcast. The winner with 98 votes is The Shining.
0: If nobody nobody mentions moon landings in that podcast, I mean, you, you know... You've got to you've got to mention the Apollo missions in that in that review.
2: <laughs> Moon <laughs> landings, knows. the blood of the Native American, like we're we're yeah. we're gonna go into yeah. it. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot. That's, a good,
4: that's, good. that's gonna mean, be a long is, podcast. <laughs> it was a clever decision with Doctor Sleep coming. So like to everyone who voted, well done.
2: Yeah, um, I I, I got to say all... I'm very very proud of the uh, of the community actually in that regard because it will function as a great lead in into that. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it. There was like a Fandango pre-release uh, for Dr. Sleep. I think it's screening like super, super early, actually. Yeah. Um. So, man, we got to get this done quickly.
5: <laughs> I'm super excited for that. I've loved Mike Flanagan, especially after The Haunting of Hill House last year. Yeah. So just seeing him like in this world, I'm super, super,
2: super stoked and pumped for this. Also, the runtime for it was announced to be over two and a half hours uh, recently.
5: Oh, yes, Mike.
2: <laughs> Let's go. Uh, has everyone noticed, though, too, just really quickly, uh, that movies are very long this year? Yes.
4: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: Can I just say for the record that I freaking love it?
4: See, I uh... love it until I'm at a film festival and I'm trying to fit a lot in. And yeah. all...
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Nicole, I can't tell you how much A Hidden Life fucked up my scheduling until you ride over and over and over. Yep. I was like, God damn it, Malik, your three hour film. <laughs> Uh man like we
5: get it they're in love <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty i get it it's a great season
2: the town doesn't <laughs> like him because he won't salute hitler we get it already we get it. <laughs> <laughs> hello
1: everyone this is jd from the in session film podcast each week we review the latest from hollywood california well yes brendan we also give top three lists okay yeah thanks again brendan Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, you you go cry at Midnight Special again, okay? okay. That's what you're good for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I don't don't buy that. That's just how (laughs) it
2: works. All right, so for this week's poll, and this is going to lead into our discussion here this week, we are asking everyone, which do they think will be the next Best Picture Oscar winner? I asked you all at the top of the show. What I want to do is I want to take each one of your predictions, and I kind of want to work backwards. Right now. So, for example, Michael, you said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and also so did uh, Bianca. Yeah. And I'm, I want to know if you're saying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wins best picture, do we all agree that Quentin has to win screenplay? No, I don't. Okay. I'm not predicting him to win screenplay. Are you predicting, him to, predicting him to win director?
3: No, I'm not. I could see that happening over screenplay, Mm -hmm. but I am not predicting either of them at the moment. Uh, What we've seen in recent years is a film that takes home Best Picture and then maybe two or three other awards. That seems to be the trend.
2: Right. But you have seen it. Those over awards are either screenplay, director or acting.
3: That's true. And it hasn't been, I think, uh, Chicago was the last time that a film won Best Picture without director or screenplay correct yes but i think acting can compensate for the two of them and i do have brad pitt taking home supporting actor
2: do you have it winning costumes or production design
3: i have it winning production design
0: yeah i think production design uh and potentially costumes as well
3: yeah costumes are a possibility i think production design seems pretty locked and loaded given Mm. given the rest of the competition and how large the scale
2: is in this movie but uh i'm with you on the production design uh i'm not there on brad pitt yet i I say brad Brad pitt Pitt because i look at the other contenders there i'm
3: looking at the other contenders for supporting actor and none of them really shout winner to me but they've all won before at least in my lineup i have al pacino tom hanks joe pesci anthony hopkins and while brad pitt has won
2: it was for Best Picture. He's never won for, mm. uh, for acting. Right, like Michael Douglas winning for One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, and he wins a couple years later for uh, Wall Street. Right, and this was a character
3: that a lot of people really latched on to, Cliff Booth. And he became, like, you know, one of the takeaway characters from the movie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. him and Rick Dalton pretty much the whole time. And you just really grow to love him. He has a great moment at the end. I mean, he has great moments throughout, but you really leave thinking about him. So I think it's just a character that people really responded to, an actor that people want to reward. I know he says he isn't campaigning, but by not campaigning, he really is campaigning.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
3: so uh, I, I think it's time to reward Brad Pitt.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same. I think people probably most likely remember his torso as well. Because um, yeah, it's that, gorgeous. That's, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that could work in his favor if he just goes around for the entire Oscar season with his shirt off. I love that so much.
2: (laughs) Well, I I think one thing to take in consideration here, though, uh, with like Best Supporting Actor is there are two contenders right now off the top of my head who have not won before. um, And that is Sterling K. Brown for Waves and Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse.
4: Or if Taika Waititi okay. weaselled his way in, <laughs> I don't
2: yeah. believe. I, I don't believe for that performance. That's going to happen, personally. I've I've seen it twice now, and I'm just not feeling it.
4: The other person that I've got kind of sitting at the bottom there is Jamie Foxx or one of the other men from Just Mercy.
2: Right. J- Jamie Foxx, previous winner. I mean, it would be so wild if uh, one of the others, Tim Blake Nelson or Rob Morgan, did get in. Oh my God, in. if
4: Rob Morgan got in, I would be so thrilled.
2: They're all phenomenal. They really, really are. And I think people are gravitating towards Foxx because he's got the larger role and he's a previous yep. winner. He's bigger name, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I get that aspect of it. But once again, previous winner. Um, realistically, when you look at best supporting actor this year, um, can anyone else think of another contender in there? Like that's, listen, in no disrespect to Taika Waititi, I just don't believe he's in it. Um, but like other than Sterling K. Brown and Willem Dafoe, no no one else. Uh, yeah. Right. Everyone else is you know? likely to be nominated. But... Ah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. Not for what the window. I, I really
3: do think Brad Pitt stands above Al Pacino. You know, Matt, you're the only one who's seen the movie. So you could speak to that better than
2: it's his best us. performance in a very, very long time. <laughs> very, very long time. Um, I think he's going to get in. And then Joe Pesci won't
3: campaign. I mean, I'm sure he's great and will probably be
2: nominated. But
3: Brad Pitt. You know, the thing about him is again that character. I was at an event a couple weeks ago, and a
2: guy came wearing a Hawaiian shirt and told me he was dressed as Cliff Booth. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> see, you're gonna see Rick Dolan Cliff Booth Halloween costumes in a couple of days. I believe, I believe this that whole Halloween this is just that. like a general
3: work event and the guy showed up dressed in a hawaiian shirt and he said i intentionally bought this because i wanted to go as cliff booth it was the weirdest thing but that's what this character has done
2: but getting back on like uh track here like looking at best supporting actor because there are so many former winners in here and a lot of uh, best picture contenders uh, scattered throughout so it's like you, you start saying to yourself all right if irishman wins best picture and it is potentially going to bring an acting winner along with it um I I don't believe that's going to happen because I don't see De Niro obviously winning in Best Actor. Um, He just doesn't have the heat for it this year. He may not even get the nomination, in all honesty. I don't see them giving it to Joe Pesci a second time. And Al Pacino, even though I do think he has a good chance at being being nominated, I just don't sense an overwhelming desire to want to give it to him again the same way that I feel like there is to your point, Michael, with, like, Brad Pitt. So then – Sticking with Irishman for a minute, what can Irishman also win if it's going to win Best Picture? Which one of the big awards? The thing about Al Pacino
3: is I do have him in the second s- slot between Brad Pitt. I do think there's a path for him. I'm just not predicting it at the moment. And the thing with rewarding Al Pacino, when people look at his Oscar for A Scent of a Woman, it's sort of, you know, a phony win. It's not a great performance and it was it's sure. make makeup for all the times he had been nominated in the past. If he's to win for the Irishman again, still haven't seen the movie, but I think that feels more like the Al Pacino we knew and loved from forty years ago. Maybe that could be seen as, oh, here's another Oscar for a time that you really deserve it.
2: Yeah, I'm just not getting that narrative vibe right now. I, I know, I know what you mean now. I, I get it. Um, but yeah, sticking with the Irishman there for a minute. Like, does anyone have Scorsese winning director? I do. No. You do. Yes. But you're but you're predicting a split though. Between that and yeah, Hollywood right now? Time in Hollywood for
3: picture and Scorsese for director. Mm-hmm. Along with a couple of other texts for the Irishman, like uh, visual effects, I believe, and... Editing. I, no,
2: I, I don't have it for makeup, no. Visual effects and, yes, film editing. I moved off of makeup. It, 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 I, I've been predicting Irishman for a whole year for makeup, and I finally, finally, finally changed my prediction uh to bombshell bombshell. uh once i saw uh john lift gal i was like yep i was like okay there we go (laughs) that's the winner uh and we'll talk yeah and we'll talk about that in just a brief second here um actually no fuck it let's talk about it now anyone have bombshell winning best picture no
4: No. but i can see i can see a path to a nomination definitely Mm.
2: yeah so can i yeah i put that in this week after
3: the Really yeah. responsive screening that they had last week. You know, I was expecting that to go maybe the vice route or even Trumbo. But this seems like it's a legitimately great movie on top yeah, of it. Yeah,
5: I was shocked at how positive all the reactions were.
2: You know, one of the things also to take away from that uh, screening, and there was another one last night in New York as well, actually, um, is that Charlize Theron is, I-, I think, firmly in the best actress conversation now.
5: Yes. So you think she kicked off Scarlett Johansson or Saoirse Ronan with like number two and three?
2: I think she's number three right now uh, yeah. behind Scarlett Johansson and Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Mm.
3: I think any combination of those three can make up the top three. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really not clear to me who's winning. I'm not on board the Zellweger train like everyone else is. I, I have a Scarlett winning, and we'll see. I have Scarlett winning as well. Between now and.
4: I have a marriage story. So oh, I was just going to say, having seen both performances, I have Scarlett winning.
2: Another reason why I have Scarlet winning is after re-watching Jojo Rabbit last night, um, it's kind of just mm-hmm. becoming very clear to me that if Jojo Rabbit is going to be within the conversation, Oscar voters will be wa- watching that. She's great in that movie. I don't think she's in the supporting actress conversation, but she's still good. Um, and I think there'll be some Academy members that will also, if they haven't already, seen Endgame. And yeah. I think Scarlett Johansson is just going to be everywhere in that regard, and I think
4: she's also got these movies that are reminding everyone that she's a very versatile actress.
2: Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Particularly
4: Mm -hmm. as you have something like *Marriage Story*, which is more of a you know a, a typical she's she's a very normal character in that, but she's very. I mean, she's wonderful in it. But then you see her doing this kind of more out there thing in Jojo Rabbit. And you see her doing this kind of colder but still very emotional thing in uh, Endgame. And I think that that's all going to work in her favor. In the same way that I think Adam Driver is going to be helped by the fact that he has like 4,000 movies out this year.
2: So, Lauren, (laughs) uh, transitioning over to that then, you have Marriage Story winning Best Picture. Do you have Scarlett Johansson winning Best Actress?
5: No, I still have Renee Zellweger. It's just maybe – the fact that you know Scarlett Johansson has been in this situation where she's had multiple films in com- in competition for awards buzz with her particularly in awards buzz but never making it there you know with you know Lost in Translation and then her and then you know even Girl with the Pearl Earring like she ha- she's been in this situation before but- and especially with Marriage Story her being forty percent of it whereas Renee Zellweger is all of it and she's even though she has won before she had never won Best Actress yet. And the Academy loves her and she really is an actor's actor. So I still see her pushing through. Again, I haven't seen Marriage Story yet. So I'll once I do, I'll definitely rework
2: that. So my feeling with Marriage Story right now is that I do believe Marriage Story is heading for a night uh, at the Oscars where it's only going to win one award. I don't know which one it's going to be yet. It could be just Driver. It could be just mm-hmm. Dern. could be just Screenplay. Uh, or it could be just Scarlet. But I, I'm I'm starting to believe that it's going to boyhood itself and only win one thing. And that'll be like the representation for that movie. There's so many different paths. I could well, see well, that well or I could see it winning five. You know, it's really so many scenarios with that one. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like nowadays the Academy trend seems to be they really do spread the wealth, wealth a lot and they don't reward a movie with a ton, especially a, a ton of major above the line awards like that. So I'm having a hard, hard time right now with that uh, happening. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I I moved Laura Dern out. I have Margot Robbie winning for Bombshell right now. Yeah, that made me very sad. Uh,
3: but I think Margot Robbie is in a very, very, very good spot with two movies. She's posed for a win. You know, she's been around for six years now. Wolf of Wall Street really put her on the map. Former nominee for Itania, big superstar, and it sounds like her role in Bombshell is the real deal.
2: It almost reminds me a little bit of like Emma Stone, where it's like her mm-hmm. career uh hadn't really like reached its quote unquote peak, but she was having a moment. And and I, I I really hate I really hate saying this. I really do. Trust me when I tell you I do. But she's got that hot it girl factor that we know some Academy members, just at that age and at that time in their career, they tend to want to reward them, you know, at this point. You know what I mean? So, Like pulling a
5: Jennifer Lawrence sort of a thing? Jennifer
2: Lawrence, Brie Larson, Emma Stone. You know, it's like you could just rattle off the names. Uh, Alicia Vikander. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Margot is just in that spot right now in her career, you know. And to Michael's point, uh, having both of these major movies, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm beginning to feel that kind of a narrative a little bit more strongly than we need to re- reward Laura Dern. And I think Laura Dern will be rewarded at some point. She's one of the hottest actresses working
3: right now, right? And you know, if she gets a nomination here, it'll be her third career nomination. People obviously love her, Hollywood royalty, and you know,
2: it, it, it'll happen. This will just move the needle a little closer. So, so do we? Do we all have bombshell winning makeup?
4: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. So my question is then: If you have bombshell winning makeup. And some of us do have Margot winning supporting actress. Is the combination of those two enough to then also bring like Best Picture along for the ride? I don't know. No, think. I don't think that's a movie no. that would win on a preferential ballot. Okay.
5: Yeah, I don't see Bombshell winning at all.
2: You don't think like it could be like a film of the moment sort of a thing?
5: For Best Picture, no. It could be like at the bottom ends of the nominations. Like I could see it squeezing in there, mm. I can't see I- it win.
4: Really, if we're going to have something surprises in there, I would more expect it to be something like Jojo Rabbit or Parasite or Two Popes. Like, those are the ones that I see suddenly, like, oh, my God, they won Best Picture, not Bombshell.
2: So my thing about Jojo Rabbit, and this is something I keep coming back to, is I still have Jojo Rabbit winning Adapted Screenplay.
4: Yep, same.
2: Well, I think I that's going to happen. Right now, it's between that and Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes for me. And so... Screenplay is where my mind instantly goes to now with Best Picture nowadays. And in original, I think it's a fight between Noah Baumbach and Quentin Tarantino. And it adapted right now. I think it's uh, Anthony McCartan and Taika Waititi. Uh, That's where I see things currently. And then you say to yourself, okay, so is our Best Picture winner one of those four potentially, right? So we've made a case for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We talked a little bit about Marriage Story here. If if Jojo Rabbit wins uh, Adapted Screenplay, it's got a pretty good shot Then it may be also winning on a preferential ballot for picture, won the TIFF Audience Award, remember, like Green Book did last year, which uh, was a big boost for that movie. It is a crowd pleaser. The question is, does it win a third award or does it pull a spotlight? And if it does win a third award, which award is it?
4: This is something I've been going back over and back over to try and figure out, like, what else I think it would win.
2: Right. And this is what I can't – I can't come up with an answer, which is why I am hesitant to put it in the best picture win slot.
4: That's – I think Help? if it if it does win, it's a surprise win.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: It's not a, oh, this made sense statistically. You know what I mean? Like, I don't
2: – Like Spotlight? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I know, honestly, I'm telling you, that Spotlight – Best Picture Screenplay win will forever haunt my dreams of just like, you know, th- it's it's proof that you can win one award and picture. And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> I think
4: the other thing, though, about Juju Rabbit is that I think that if the same performance were being given by a adult male actor, he would be in the awards conversation. But because the Roman Griffin so Davis young, Jr.? Yeah, I think yeah. That because he's so young, he's not in the conversation, but They're I think so that annoying. he's not... I think he's as worthy as any of the others that I've seen thus far. Oh, he totally is. That also could be throwing off the whole like, you know, if that's essentially like he would have that, but he can't because his age is working against him. And then then it slides into best picture. I can kind of see that happening. Like, I think he's going to win. I I really think all the youth awards are going to be between him and Noah Jupe for Honey Boy.
2: Yeah, probably.
4: And I, 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 I can see a path to it.
2: Okay, what about this? What about uh, Jojo Rabbit winning picture, adapted screenplay, and say – and, Nicole, only you and I can probably speak to this right now, but um, – or – no, wait. Bianca, did you see it yet?
0: Uh, yes, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, All right. Yeah.
2: D- d- can you both see a path where Jojo Rabbit maybe wins film editing? Yes. I was going to suggest That's the other
0: that. one I have it for. Um, yeah, I was thinking perhaps production design. Yeah,
2: maybe, but over once upon a time in Hollywood, that's where I'm like I get held up.
4: Yeah, yeah, I know I it's Hollywood a bit of
2: Boulevard.
4: right. Yeah. Or I guess the other thing is if they like that like war torn production design, mm. they could end up going for something like 1917 where it's impressive right. that they had oh, to do it all. Yeah, like, I think that's going
2: to be very in the hunt for production design. Then,
4: I mean, hear me talk about that more later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I I think I think that's like JoJo's like best path is yeah editing because i'll tell you like that beatlemania opening sequence is uh, amazingly yes, well guess. edited it's so great i
4: think that if scarlett johansson were to be nominated as supporting actress for jojo rabbit that then would tell me we really need to be taking this more seriously than we are
2: yeah you're probably right about that actually I think that and that I that am would you are that you would are michael recently. i am because i think it's such a weak
3: competition there that having her you know be the it girl this year if we think she's gonna win Best Actress, you know, get two nominations, have there be a narrative there. And if they really respond to that movie, you know, even if she doesn't have a ton of scenes, I've heard about one moment that she does have that could be enough to push she her in. Has-
5: but she could also pull a Kate Winslet and Alicia Vikander where she's nominated for both every single one. And then for Oscars, they only pick one. And that really drives the narrative towards that one nomination, which will probably be Story. Right?
2: I I can that, that's that's the route I'm going with right I now. I do you
5: think
4: she'll get critics
5: groups.
2: Uh, here and there. I think so. I think she'll show up at like Globes maybe.
5: No, it's very possible for her to get both. Yeah. But i think like come Oscar night, and that's the narrative will yeah. be. Like the one nomination for the Oscar and her being consistent with these two films because it happens, it's not uncommon, but like it's still kind of rare when like an actor has two major films that have two very stellar performances. So to have these two go up yeah. mostly all season and like, Jojo Rabbit is still going to probably make it to the Oscars. It's not going to be totally kicked. Like with Alicia Vikander, she wasn't nominated for Ex Machina, but Ex Machina made it to the Oscars. So to have those two still be there Oscar Sunday will definitely drive her narrative towards the statue a lot stronger than Judy, I would say.
3: The thing about Alicia Vikander and Kate Winslet, though, is that they were both victims of category confusion to some degree or another. With mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, you know which is leading, which is supporting.
4: Right. I you think didn't really it helps, make the argument. I think it helps, too, that while they're very different roles, both of these roles that she's playing are the mother. And that is the pivotal thing in the role. So I think that that helps, like, oh, she's so good in, you know, in Marriage Story as this mom character. And then she's also really good in Jojo Rabbit as this mom character. And I think that that may also help keep her on people's minds even more.
2: I, I think you're right. Um, what I want to do is I want to uh, entertain uh, some things here, right? Because I, I mentioned before, the Two Popes stands a good chance to possibly win for adapted screenplay. My mindset says, okay, if we're going to entertain an idea where Two Popes has now won picture and screenplay, are we saying it pulls a spotlight and that's it? Or are we going to say something else comes along and... And to me, the only thing that makes sense is Jonathan Price.
4: I think the other thing that could work would be it's if they really like the film, they could reward it in production design because they did build the Vatican. <laughs> like Anthony McCartan talked about this. They had to, you know, you obviously can't film in the Vatican. So they had to build that entire thing. And there are so many different settings throughout it. You know, you're in Argentina and you're in the Vatican and you're, you know, kind of all over the place that if they were looking for a way to reward it, you know what I mean? Like if they're trying to really go for it. I think
2: that I think, I think the nomination is going to be a hurdle. Um, it like it needs yeah. to get that nomination. And then I, I think Absolutely. that's going to be really, really tough. And even yeah. still, if it got that nomination, I don't see how it beats once upon a time in Hollywood or 1917, you know,
4: mm. I just, if they really like, I think that's, it's possible best day would be like you said, screenplay, picture actor and production design. There's nowhere else that you really could reward it.
2: So I actually think Two Popes is off the table then, you know, as like a Best Picture winner, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, probably not on a
3: preferential ballot, but I think it'll,
2: you know, be a big hit and get the nomination and
3: a few acting nominations, maybe even production design. I think it's on the table to do fairly well, just not for the big win.
2: So if we move over now to uh, Best Actor, in my opinion – Best actor is either going to be Adam Driver or Joaquin Phoenix. I really don't think there's anybody else in the hunt. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. And I don't think I am ready to even entertain the idea of Joker winning Best Picture <laughs> along with Joaquin. <laughs> um, yep. I-, I will entertain a nomination because I think we have to, uh, based on its box office performance, how talked about it is, the passionate support that it does have. Had another huge weekend, by the way. Yeah. It's looking at about thirty million. But but a window, um, I think, is even with that golden line win. I, I just like, I would have a very very difficult time seeing that happening.
4: Listen, we know Scorsese ain't voting for.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> they
3: <laughs> no, it, it just sound like Marvel. Scorsese actually
2: was attached as a producer at the Joker at one point. Imagine if Martin Scorsese was like, you know, I really like Joker, and then like the interviewer was like,
5: Excuse me, can
2: I can, can I take a can I take a guess as to why? <laughs> Oh, you know, the style, yeah. you know, I like style a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, Marty, he, he ripped off your style. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't realize that.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway. Um, yeah. I'm not ready to entertain the idea of even if Joaquin potentially wins, uh, that that would be a win to go along with Joker for best picture. I just no. uh, like, it just doesn't make sense to me yet. What, if um, anything, it'll be like an eight or nine nominee. probably.
3: Yeah.
0: Can I I'm ask gonna... what you think about the score? Do you think it's possible that it could walk walk away with uh, with the best Oscar for the score, maybe?
2: What holds me back with that is um, they never even nominated uh, the Dark Knight score. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just don't think that they typically like, like, you know, like the darkest score I can think of or like the most off kilter, unnerving score that they nominated in recent memory was Mika Levy for Jackie. Right. And yeah. Even that was a little, a uh, bit. It was a little bit. It was obviously a little bit friendlier over score than say something like Under the Skin was. And to me, that's what I think. Like Joker's score is like to me, it's like Under the Skin, in mm-hmm. the sense of it just being so um, overworldly and just like weird and dark. It's
5: fantastic.
2: It is. Yeah, it yeah. is. But that's not something that that they don't typically go for that.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's what's holding me back there. Um, and now we look at actress again, like I was saying before, I, I believe Charlize is going to be a staple in this category now, um, but I don't believe that she is in the hunt for a second win. It feels like Christian Bale and Vice to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. So there's that. Uh, and I do believe that Best Actress is still, as of today, between Renee Zellweger and Scarlett Johansson. And if you want to say that either one of their wins could go along with Best Picture, I mean, let's be honest here. Judy's not winning Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to Marriage Story again, potentially, right? Um, unless if Saoirse Ronan just, like, comes out of nowhere Slightly. and obliterates everyone. But even on paper— be
4: out of nowhere. She's got the background for it. <laughs> no, but I mean, she has the background to come in there and, you know, be on the hunt for a win.
2: It's potentially possible, given, once again, where she's at in her career— But that role specifically and also, too, just with all the things we've heard about Little Women so far. I mean, and a lot of that will be dispelled in a few days time uh, when the first screening happens, you know, the first real Mm -hmm. official screening of the final cut of the movie. Um, So there won't be any more, you know, guessing going on anymore with it. But still, um, we go back to a potential marriage story situation now where things get really, really interesting now is Best Director. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because now we have some potential winners in here that we are not mentioning in all the other categories for acting or screenplay. Um, I think right now what a lot of people have kind of like honed in on is they've honed in on it being Scorsese, Sam Mendes, Bong Joon-ho, Quentin Tarantino, and Noah Baumbach. I think those are like the default five right now that like I've looked at so many people's predictions. That's like what everyone is kind of now like collectively getting behind as of today things can obviously change anyone were to miss yeah i would say noah bumbach maybe misses for taika waititi Mm. or
3: or someone like terrence malick knowing that director's branch yeah
2: yeah
4: what if noah bumbach misses for greta gerwig
2: Oh man, that'd be amazingly funny (laughs)
3: That
4: is such an awkward breakfast
3: (laughs) Hi
1: guys, I'm Dean And I'm Daniel And we're from the IMDb Journey podcast Where we break down every movie from the top 250 list Giving our own thoughts and reviews And any general discussion along the way
2: But when we're not doing that We also battle other podcasts In various
1: movie related games of trivia and drafts We also give quick reviews about every other film we've watched as well Yeah, here we're quite good too yeah, if you guys don't believe us, why don't you listen to these genuine testimonies?
2: Oh, hey guys, you guys are really good. I love your chemistry.
1: Oh, hey Brew. It's uh this is a this is a good podcast, yo. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: love the banter, guys. Keep it up.
1: I, DB Jenny. It is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Ah, fantastic testimonies. Uh, Thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. (laughs) And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDB Journey. You can find us on all your favourite podcast
2: sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So come along and join our journey. Some of us have Martin Scorsese winning. Some of us have Sam Mendes winning. Some of us even have Bong Joon-ho winning. And that's something I'm kind of coming back to right now. Is anyone getting, like, this vibe... I'm getting the vibe. The
5: more time passes, the more I can definitely see it happening. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like right now I have Mendy's winning, but I could totally see Bong up there. I'm the exact same. Yeah,
0: I think if if Parasite doesn't win Best Picture, I think his chances of walking away with director is actually going to be stronger because they almost want to give him some sort of, I don't want to say compensation, but it almost feels like, you know, if something else was to win Best Picture, they really do like that. I think everyone likes that movie. So, yeah. And uh, the direction is really, really good. And yeah, uh, from especially, everything
5: that I've been hearing. Especially if the film doesn't get Best Picture.
2: Well, it's like one scenario here where Parasite doesn't win Best Picture, but it's winning Best International Film. It's, it's Roma last year, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So Bong could win director. The film could still win International Feature. Maybe it doesn't win anything else. Maybe. All right. I'm going to throw my hands up on that one. Let's just say it walks away with that. Then you're like, well, what wins best picture? You know, maybe, maybe back wins screenplay. back gets rewarded, you know, and now. Well, I think that's a lock for him to win screenplay. Oh, that just seems like.
5: That's why I think it's winning best picture.
2: I, okay. I've got two, I've got two issues here. And that is the power of Quentin Tarantino and I I can I and this isn't so much the uh, screenplay um thing I, I'm so much against, but Lauren, what you just said about it winning screenplay and also winning best picture, I don't think I I, I guys I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna walk back off of Netflix winning best picture this year like completely. Mm. Even if all the signs point to A marriage Story or Irishman win for best picture, I don't think I'm gonna predict it until because until proven otherwise, um I I don't know. I, I, I just – I don't know if the Academy is ready.
4: I was going back and forth kind of between Marriage Story and 1917, and that's kind of what pushed me over into 1917. It's also like the louder film, um, literally.
2: It's also <laughs> um, probably going to win a boatload of Oscars too when you think about it.
4: Yeah. 1917 yeah, is going to win the most, I want to say. I, yeah.
2: I think so too.
4: I think it stands a good chance in like a lot of the tech categories, even down to something like Score. Um, I think it's got a really good shot at director. And I think that one thing that would be a huge clue would be if if any of these men were to get into supporting actor, um, that to me would would be my like, okay, yeah, I'm sticking to this 110% everywhere that it's nominated.
2: Yeah, because if it doesn't happen, then I think it is the first Best Picture winner since Slumdog Millionaire event to win without an acting nominee.
4: Right, and and I could see it happening just because the two leads are young um you know and maybe that that plays into it. it they don't have the big names in the lead roles like a lot of the other movies do this year that are in contention mm-hmm. um but i i do think that maybe we're going to see somebody getting into the best supporting actor category from 1917 if they really go for it i don't know who that would be if it would mean you know Benedict Cumberbatch or Richard Madden or they push you know someone like um you know, one of the younger boys, maybe they push him supporting um, or Colin Firth.
2: I, I think it's just more likely that 1917 doesn't get an acting nomination. And I, I, I actually think Sam Mendes for the directorial achievement stands a really, really good chance of winning director in a split yep. with picture then because of sticking yeah. to that rule of, oh, no acting nominees doesn't win picture. Okay, so then what does win picture? Well, in my mind, it's like I've eliminated Irishman and Marriage Story because of the Netflix bias. So what's left then after 1917 and those go away? It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Parasite. Yeah. No foreign language film has ever won Best Picture before. So that's why like right now for me, I've kind of now defaulted on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until, until the major awards chime in.
4: I guess that's also a place where Jojo Rabbit, Ra- Rabbit, Jojo or- Ratchet. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I guess that's where Jojo Rabbit could also, like, in that scenario, come up.
2: And yes. Take yes. The yeah. No, that's a good yeah. point. Absolutely. And
4: I think, I, although I am curious, you know, if we're if we're predicting Scarlett Johansson to win, and we're also predicting Adam Driver to win, that does maybe, you know, if if Marriage Story has enough going for it, does it? defeat the Netflix bias also because of the fact that like it is a film about New York and LA and mm-hmm. that's gonna appeal to a lot of these voters who live in New York and LA. Um I I feel like if a Netflix film is taking it, it's marriage story just because of again the acting and all the names attached to it and the fact that I think that it's gonna resonate with a lot of
2: voters. I think it lacks the social significance though. I, I agree with you it's gonna resonate on a personal level.
4: There's that one monologue from Dern, though, yeah. that I think is going to resonate. That has that social significance, particularly for all the women who are going to see it.
2: I understand that part of it. I I, I get what you mean. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know if it has the, the scale um, that some people, like, nowadays tend to equate with, like, a best picture uh, win in terms of um, – when I say social significance, like it, like I, I, I get what you're saying about that monologue, but that's just like a, one part of the movie that's not like the central theme, so yeah. to speak. Because even like Green Book is a small movie when you really break right. it down. But its theme courses through the entire duration of that film. And for a lot of people, they felt like, you know, that was a quote unquote important movie for our times right now um, yeah. because of that where Marriage Story feels like a more personal story for Noah, for these two characters.
4: I do think that they could, if they, if they played it right, they could push a conversation about how it's a very honest, very vulnerable film about divorce and about, you know... Divorced parents raising a child and how that's something that, you know, we don't. A really, lot of people can relate to that as well.
2: Sure. It's very so, yeah.
4: prevalent in our society and yet it's not often addressed in this way. Mm-hmm. And we also don't typically get lead male performances that are this vulnerable and sensitive. Um, and I could also see if they can push the right narrative there and if they get driver through on this. You know, I that's one of the things I was struck with by Marriage Story was I'm not used to lead male characters who show this kind of emotion yeah and that's why well, i think it's great like yeah again i haven't seen the film but to take
5: a topic like a divorce in the process of a divorce and family in the middle of divorce that is so i don't know if the word stigmatizes right but it's not talked about or still frowned upon and we don't want to acknowledge that elephant in the room the fact that we're talking about it in an honest and vulnerable and truthful way I think will really resonate with the Academy and resonate with people who definitely have either been a child of divorce or went through or is going through a divorce with children involved.
4: It also is wildly funny.
2: It plays very well.
4: Yeah, it, it plays wonderfully.
2: <laughs> so, but once again, Netflix. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Mm. I
0: was just gonna say is the the comparisons between marriage story and Kramer versus Kramer going to help it maybe because uh, you know the that 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 film you know Kramer versus Kramer was a huge hit
2: if I if I may Bianca? Uh yeah. I, I I thought about this the other day and I thought to myself, well, Green Book was basically driving Miss Daisy for a new generation. So, <laughs> yeah. marriage story could yeah. be Kramer versus Kramer for a new generation, you know. Yeah. Like it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. I I I I am trying so hard right now at a point where we don't have a clear front runner to just do like this process of elimination tactic. Uh and I, I, I've i landed on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then I start playing, like I said, that game where then it's like, all right, well, what else does it win? Pip makes sense. Production design makes sense. And in all honesty, like I said, Tarantino could steal uh, Bombak's first win, you know, if that were the case. You really think he's going to win for that screenplay? That is so more... The movie's a director's piece instead of a writer's piece. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Michael, when it comes to him, uh, you know, it's like you don't. You, they they they've rewarded him twice already in that category. Yeah, but it was years apart. It was ninety four. And in my like, in my opinion, he Django is a better directed movie than written movie. In my opinion, too. You know. Oh, I wouldn't but, agree with that. It, I listen, this is, you know, so just my opinion. The Compare
5: the script to Disney. Django to the script to Once Upon in Hollywood. Come on. <laughs>
2: anyway, uh, let's let's finish this off here with some fan questions. All right. And let's also just agree to disagree um, in terms of best picture. And let's all maybe just come together and agree on the fact that Parasite should just win everything. Okay. So, fan (laughs) questions. Uh, Richard Houlihan asks us, there was a recent article about Eddie Murphy regretting some jokes he made in his raw days. I believe him. And I'm sure he's improved as a person. Do you think he will get uh, backlash for these past jokes during Dolomite's awards run?
3: If people do start the backlash, then they really need better things to do. What else do you want from him? You know, he fessed up. He said he was wrong. He apologized. Can't we just move on? You know, he admitted that he was wrong.
4: I do think that the fact that he is, from what I've heard, not particularly well-liked in Hollywood could hurt him. But I also don't know that he's like a big enough contender that people are really going to go after him. Like, that sounds mean. I'm aware. But it's not. I think if anybody's going to get hurt by their comments this season, it's going to be Scarlett Johansson. Uh Uh-huh. Because they're uh. recent, <laughs> I
5: loved it like last year with um, I guess it was like the rug and tug piece, and then literally she said she was sorry and then didn't and then as soon as she said she was sorry, the Black widow director was announced and she stayed silent until end game. yeah <laughs> like heaven it was like, you stay in your house and you don't talk. <laughs> Or else we cancel your movie.
2: This one comes from Isaiah Washington. Someone that we didn't talk about at all on today's podcast. And I'll be honest with you guys, I've been wondering if the fifth slot could go this way. Can Lupita Nyong'o and us end up like Emily Blunt from A Quiet Place where she doesn't get much love in award season, yet she squeezes in that SAG nomination? I think she's going to show yeah. up somewhere.
4: Yeah, Best Actress is not locked yet.
2: I'm telling you, those last two slots, it's going to be a bloodbath.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also yeah. definitely think that she could end up somewhere like Globes or SAG, even if she, you know if she's not at the Oscars. Like I, I totally see her as circling those last couple of slots.
2: I could see a world where she gets Critics' Choice, she gets SAG, and I mean, like you know. I'm not going to predict it just because Tony Collette burned me last year and I'm not going <laughs> to do it. I'm just not doing it. I'm letting you all know right now I will not do it. But I will be so happy if it does happen. Oh, my God. Would I be ecstatic?
3: So it looks like Cynthia Riva won't be in there. But if Lupita does get in instead of Underground Railroad, we're going to have underground people. OK, I'm done with you. <laughs> remember, remember that? Remember those people? in the was creepy. I'm those
2: done with you. Movie. Just done. We're done all day. This one comes from Logan Van Winkle. What is your dream nomination for the upcoming awards season? Not because it's your favorite or because it's even likely. You just really want the person or movie to get that recognition.
5: I want Billy Lord to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Ooh, oh, good one. yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's
0: good. Um, I want... I've just seen Kira Knightley recently in Official Secrets, and I think that's probably a really great film and i would like to see her maybe get nominated for best actress i don't think it's possible but i really really liked her in that role and you know what it was nice seeing her not in a period costume
2: so (laughs) i'm with you bianca that movie is a very solid film and um i it was very very underseen and I, i i recommend it to people to check out i do Wholeheartedly, hardly. I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, I would like to see her get uh, mentioned somewhere, at least just some sort of recognition. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Nicole?
4: OK, I'm like trying to think this through. Um, I've got two. One is that I really want to see Taryn Egerton get recognized somewhere for Man. It's still one of my favorite male performances of the year. And, you know, at least... I want him to to do well at the globes. The other one is that like I just want to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire anywhere that it could be. Obviously I would love to see it, you know, in in my perfect world it gets a director nomination and a picture nomination and literally everything else, but um just for that to be anywhere and I'm really hoping it gets that cinematography uh slot if there is a god. <laughs> this will be the deciding factor.
2: <laughs> I rewatched uh, midsomar. Uh, yesterday mm. I showed it to my sister uh, for the first time I really want someone to recognize that the production design on that movie is yes. insane mm. it is so 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 good
0: I thought you were gonna say about best supporting actor for the bear but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ditto the cinematography as well, because just in terms of um, I've never seen a film shot like that before, I, I think that deserves to get recognized. But like, like, hey, listen, based on the way the question is asked here, it's like, it's not going to like, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not my favorite, but it deserves to be recognized, you know, for how different it is. Uh, Michael, do you have anything? Well, the thing is, I haven't seen enough of the top contenders this year, so there's nothing I'm really passionate about. Well, it's about not about it, it being it's just... not about it being likely. It's just something that no, I, you, I, like, want to see get the rec- recognition. And then what I was going to
3: get at was the movies that I have seen, you know, the things that I'm passionate about there are all likely to get in. It's all like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So there's not anything that's really on the fringe that I'm really pushing for at the moment.
2: Okay. So a Hustler's Best Picture nomination. Got it. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, all righty. Uh, this one comes from Siam underscore boys underscore one nine eight eight. What actor or actress that have this year that has Oscar buzz this year uh, but will likely get completely ignored when the nominations announce? Okay, I see what you're saying. So who with Oscar buzz are you predicting basically for a snub this year, essentially? And when I say snub, okay, so like, listen, th- there are people in every category right now that we're not predicting that someone else probably is predicting, but who is somebody you could see landing literally everywhere? Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, SAG, and then on the morning they just don't get it. Who is the Timothy Chalamet beautiful boy? De Niro. Ooh, De Niro's a good choice.
4: Oof. I could see any of the men from The Irishman getting snubbed.
2: I could see that happening too. Yep.
4: Yeah. Um, I also I ooh, maybe this is out there, but I could really see Leonardo DiCaprio getting snubbed. Yeah, I was about to say a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood
2: guy. Best Actor is so fluid right now because I'm starting to believe that with some of the choices that that, uh, you know, the Actors Branch have made in recent years, uh, the more and more confident I start to feel about like an Antonio Banderas uh, getting in there and knocking someone else out. The question is, who is the person that he knocks out?
0: Uh, dare I say Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. it's possible. I mean, uh, just because of the controversy that the film is causing and maybe you know they already feel like we've awarded one joker Let
4: you know do we need to do another um so. and that variety piece there were so many you know academy members who were like yeah i haven't seen it yet or like yeah i don't know if i'm gonna see it right right I also think, obviously, Cynthia Revo is someone who's had a lot of buzz and could get dropped.
2: Yeah, I I could see a world where she lands nominations and she just sings the song. Yeah, 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 that's where I'm going with it.
4: Having seen *Clemency*, I'm not convinced that that film is going to get literally anything.
2: Well, that's how I feel like about, like, in, in a way, with Antonio Banderas as well. Like in those, in terms of those two performances, they're both powerful, good performances. But I was left a little underwhelmed because of the lack of, um, like, like the, sh- like they, they're they're not showy performances. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, and I feel like we've already got our performance, and it's Renee Zellweger that's going to be like the sole thing that gets in from this movie. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how many more you can get of that in your lead actor conversation or lead actor and actress conversation sure. in one year.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who's one that could very well happen, actually. I could, uh, and I know this sounds like blasphemy. I really apologize. Um, I could see a world where Jennifer Lawrence, sorry, Jesus Christ, Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) I definitely could see a world where Jennifer Lawrence doesn't get a nomination this year. Um, I I could see a world where Jennifer Lopez goes everywhere and then doesn't make it.
4: Okay, I was thinking about, I didn't want to be the one to say it and like put that bad karma out, so.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I've just been like asking myself like, there could be very well a, a stigma against her a stigma against the movie a stigma against the role and uh, it could just all kind of come together you know what i mean
5: and who would take that spot then
2: exactly well, yeah
5: Florence, q and little women so
2: <laughs> no i listen i get it there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in that category right now that is pff, it's anyone's ball game really
4: I mean, and now that we have Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Wait, do you think Nicole Kidman will get in there as well?
2: Somebody asked a, actually asked this question, yeah, on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's been interesting that a lot of the buzz for Bombshell has been with Charlize and with Margot. And no one seems to really be mentioning Kidman. That's interesting. It
4: sounds like she just doesn't have that large of a role, right? That's what I've picked up from mm-hmm. what people have said. and I. You know, she's missed recently. I thought that she was fantastic last year in like Boy Erased, and mm-hmm. she didn't make that. And and obviously that that's a bit different because she would have been like a sole nomination there. But I could definitely see her missing if all the buzz remains around Margaret Robbie and you know, just because that's the bigger role.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alright, uh, that'll pretty much do it here uh, for this week. Uh, Michael, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Looking forward to seeing Marriage Story tonight. Yeah. Ooh. Looking forward to your rave review. <laughs> <laughs> you know me well. Bianca?
0: Um, yeah, I just want to say if anyone wants to check out in their own league yes so give us a follow over over on the old twitters uh that would be great and we are next month is going to be our top 50 films of the decade from a female
4: filmmaker
2: i cannot wait for that i'm so excited
4: i'm very excited <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm yeah. Excited. i am already know the list but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can't wait you, you're sworn to secrecy. I am. Uh,
2: <laughs> I just want to know what number one is. Same. Oh.
0: It's a good film.
2: I, I'm really, really curious.
0: It's uh, Yeah, it's definitely directed by a woman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Can't wait. Lauren?
5: I just can't wait to finally see all these films because I love how like you all are at your own festivals and it's so cool seeing everyone's reaction. And I just can't wait for me It's going to take me a couple of weeks. I am in the middle of the country. But when I do finally see them, I get to actually be like, oh, this is what you were saying. So it's still a very happy time for me. In award season, I'm not very stressed. I'm still very much excited about it. And I just can't wait to see all these awesome movies.
2: Well, Lauren, when we move you uh, permanently to Brooklyn, New York, uh, you know, you'll be (laughs) firmly planted (laughs) and you'll be able to see everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or Manhattan. Or just just come back to New York in general, you know.
4: <laughs> December, I'm home.
2: Yay! All right, cool. Uh, Nicole.
4: Um, I just want to say uh, for anyone who has seen Marriage Story, if anyone is uh you know interested, I'm starting a support group for people who are personally victimized by Adam Driver singing a song from Company. <laughs> but seriously, um, like I said, I saw a lot of movies. If anyone wants to to know anything, has any questions, just wants to chat about any of them, hit me up on
2: Twitter. And the last thing I'll say as well is uh, we are going to be getting our uh, first awards group announcement for nominations on Thursday, October 24th, the Gotham Independent Film Awards, uh, which is essentially the New York equivalent of the Indie uh, Spirit Awards to a certain degree, rewarding the best in independent filmmaking uh, for 2019. Uh, I guess uh, really, you know, if I don't know if there's like one independent film from this year that you guys would love to see, just get some sort of recognition from there. Uh, What would it be, Uh, Bianca?
0: Oh, The Farewell.
2: Yeah, good choice. Nicole?
4: Little Woods.
2: Ooh, good choice. Nice. Still
4: has my best. It's still my favorite lead actress performance of the whole year. Lauren? I want to hop on The Farewell,
5: but I do want to give a shout out to this really small film called The Vigilante with Olivia Wilde. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And if you guys can find it, please watch it.
2: Michael?
3: Ma. Oh, really? Uh, I want to see Octavia Spencer do something, and that's a movie
2: made for $5 million. Probably qualifies. Why not? It'd be a little different. Uh, I will say a different Octavia Spencer film. I want someone somewhere to recognize Octavia Spencer for loose. For the love of God. <laughs> Please. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> That would make me very, very happy. We'll have a full breakdown of those awards nominations uh, on next week's show. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to episode 164 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Michael, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. Nicole Ackman.
4: I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at ackman 16 Bianca. Uh, yeah you can
0: find me at the film b and also follow uh in their own league at
5: their league on twitter lauren you can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lemango.
2: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. And don't forget, people, Patreon, $1 minimum a month. You'll get some exclusive podcast content from us, including that review of The Shining, which we talked about earlier. Very, very, very excited to dive deep into Stanley Kubrick's horror masterpiece. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you all next time.